Hi, I'm Hermine Hartman with Indigo Studio. This episode brings you a conversation confronting the injustice of justice. I'm going to guide you through a powerful conversation that sheds light on a wrongful conviction. We're going to tell you the story of Johnny Savory. He spent 30 years in jail for a crime he didn't commit. Joining the conversation is Steve Dryson. He's from the Center on Wrongful Conviction from Northwestern University. This is a conversation that's painful, but necessary, because the justice system is not always right. Prepare yourself, compelling conversation that challenges the status quo. It's time for us to look at the truth and advocate for those who have been wrongly convicted. Welcome, Johnny. Welcome to Indigo Studio. Steve, welcome to Indigo Studio. Johnny, tell your story. Tell me what happened. You were 14 years old and uh, you were accused of murder. Tell me what happened. I went to school like any other normal day. While at school, I didn't see my friend as usually he's here. Uh, and I didn't see him that day. When I left school, I went to you know, his home. On the way there, I made a stop or two. And as I was walking down the street approaching his home, I seen all these police cars and when I approached it, I did not understand what had, something had happened, but just didn't understand what had happened. I stood around like in the crowd with everybody else Oh, I think at least for an hour and a half, two hours, but I know I caught the last bus from that side of town back to my side of town. What town was this in? Peoria, Illinois. Peoria, okay. Yes. And still didn't understand or knew what happened yet until the the, uh, nightly news came on and it pronounced that they had been murdered. James and his sister Connie had been murdered. So you saw this on the news? Yes. Not realizing while you were there exactly what had, what had happened. You're no, just going to your understand. friend's house after yes. school. Once I found out, it just like seemed like my whole life changed. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't understand why, I couldn't understand who, just didn't understand anything. So maybe about, a, I want to say almost a week later, after that had taken place, um, I went to school and while in class, the principal came and took me from class and said that some Peoria police officers want to talk to you. And so he took me to the teacher's lounge. And there I met two officers and they said that, you know, you, did you see, when the last time you seen James and Connie, uh, it was on the, the day of the January 17, 1977, they were murdered on uh, January 18th, 1977. And they say, well, you know, is this something you can help us? What did you hear? What did you see? It was under that premise that, that but initially I told them, I don't want to talk to you because I didn't, I didn't, the police officers when I was growing up, uh, we don't like to talk about it, but we have a lot of it here, uh, especially Peoria being an all white town. So we had a few black police officers and 
you know, to me, they, they were some of the worst. And when they took you in to question you, was the principal there? Was your was the a parent there? The principal turned me over. He shouldn't have done it, but the principal allowed them to take me from the school. Then what happened? It still wasn't an interrogation that I, at least I didn't understand it was interrogation. I, it was always under principle that you might have heard something, saw something that night that could have helped us. It went from one extreme to another. Uh, I think the thing that what sealed my faith that a lot of people didn't understand about the case is after those two uh, white detectives, after they finished talking to me, they asked me to say, well, we're going to have another detective to talk to you. And when I we stepped out the room, interrogation room, I saw who they were talking about that was coming my way. And I made the mistake of saying to them, I don't want to talk to that nigga. And from that moment on, my life changed completely. Where's your parents? My parents, my mother passed away when I was six months old and my dad passed away on my 26th birthday. So you're alone? Yes. What happens? The person that I told them I did not want to talk to, they made me talk to them anyway. So they started, he started showing me photos and different things and I really didn't understand really what he was, what they were doing. But it didn't stop there. The interrogation continued. From there they took me to the polygraph examination office. And from there I ended up in juvenile about 12 midnight, we started from 3 to 12. They were keeping you in jail, yeah. in, in, yeah. it was jail, wasn't it? Yeah, I was in I was in a police station. Police station, okay. And they turned me over to um, juvenile detention. They had some kind of hearing. I didn't understand the hearing either, but it was, I guess it was to keep me to the next day. And so I ended up going to bed about one o'clock in the morning, something like that. Came back the next day and got me around about eight, and uh, interrogation began again. You are alone, there's no adult with you. They finally allowed me to see my dad, but by the time I seen my dad, I guess whatever they told him or whatever they lied, they shared with him or whatever they did, it made it impossible for us to communicate with each other. And it was just like, at that point I started feeling like, I don't know, I don't care, I just wanted to stop. But it didn't stop. From there, after they uh, seeing my dad, they took me um, into the washroom and they stripped me all my clothes and they plucked hairs from my body from head to toe, gave me some, you know, big jail jumpsuit to, to get in and just continued to interrogate me all throughout the day. When I would tell them the truth, they would tell me I was lying. And I essentially, I think I just gave to like broke my will. And, and I think it took me for another polygraph test that later that day, around about six or seven or something like that. And while in the polygraph examination, the polygraph examiner got up in the middle of the examination and said, you're a liar, you're a murderer, you just, 
experience. It was unreal. All I wanted to do, they told me every time, Stop. when you get through doing this, you can go home. You can get through, you say this, you can go home. And finally, um, the interrogations, I mean, the polygraph examiners, it stopped. And another officer came in, and I was standing at the window crying. Tell us what happened. And then she started wording me along because I didn't know what happened. So she was suggesting that, I, well, you know, it could have been this way or it could have happened this way. And all I did was agree with her just so it could stop. So at the end of that interrogation, um, I said, I did it so we can go home. I just want to go home. So she brought me the, some papers that she had wrote out and asked me to sign them, but I refused to sign them. So she got angry because I wouldn't sign them, the, whatever she was trying was to get me to sign. Was this probably a confession? Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, I found myself on trial for the murder of my friend and his sister. We're talking to Johnny Savory, a man who spent almost 30 years in jail for something that he didn't do. It's a compelling conversation. We'll be right back. We all know the awesome power of the sun. Your solar options could help fill your life with clean energy at comed.com slash clean energy. You know, it's actually really easy to find coverage. How do I even find health insurance? The ACA Health Insurance Marketplace open enrollment just began. You'll be able to find a health plan for you and your family. I don't know how to do that stuff. I need some help. Go to GetCoveredIllinois.gov where certified and local navigators like myself can help you compare plans, enroll, and figure out if you qualify for financial assistance. Wow, that was a lot easier than I thought it would be. And remember, open enrollment ends January 15th. What's up, everybody? This is Curtis Blow inviting you to the Hip Hop Nutcracker, a holiday mashup for the whole family. December 12th through the 17th at the Cadillac Palace Theater. Tickets at BroadwayInChicago.com. This November, that spit-curled icon of joy, that champion of empowerment, sings a new tune live on stage for the first time. It's the world premiere of Boop the Musical. Get tickets at BroadwayInChicago.com. We are business leaders, community activists, health care providers, leaders, scientists, educators, athletes, media professionals, artists. We are GovState. Closed captioning is sponsored by Governor's State University. go to jail to prison for 29 for life they gave me 50 to 100 years two times they had originally asked for the death penalty and uh, all through that the proceeding 
I really didn't say anything because I, I couldn't believe that what I was going through was actually real. Did you have a lawyer? Yes. Um, the women in my community, which I have to give all the credit in the world to, the mothers and the grandmothers, they got together and they, and they hired a lawyer. The lawyer, unfortunately, had never had a, a murder trial that didn't go too well either. Um, and then uh, after they sentenced me to 50 to 100 years, um, they transported me to St. Charles Correctional Center and stayed there one day and they put me in juvenile, maximum security for juveniles in Joliet. You're 14 years old. Yeah, I found myself being, I couldn't understand it, but I found myself being falsely accused, unjustly convicted and condemned to life in prison for something I knew absolutely nothing about whatsoever. Steve, fast forward. How did you get involved? You saved Johnny's life out of jail. What happened? Well, Johnny, to his credit, was his own best advocate. He wrote everybody in the city of Chicago. You did your research and... Everybody. And, and sent... Everybody. I didn't actually get no movement. That includes Steve um, when I was in juvenile. So I was determined to... Uh, uh, to, to reach out to him and to uh, get him involved. But I had another attorney on my appeal, and he stayed with me. He's like my guarding angel. His name was Ted Godfrey. He ran the, the, um, the appellate defender's office in Springfield. And he was relentless. And when I say relentless, he brought me back for a second trial. They threw out the confession because they, they ruled that it was... Um, uh, interrogation in the language they used that say was badgered and coerced into the confession. Mm -hmm. So the third district appellate court reversed my conviction, sent me back for a new trial without the use of the confession. So Steve, did you just did you respond to Johnny's letter? When he first reached out to me, I wasn't the legal director of the Center on Wrongful Convictions. I was working in juvenile justice work. And I couldn't take his case at that time because he was represented by the law firm of Jenner and Block, one of the biggest and best law firms in the city of Chicago. Mm. Um, a couple years later, he wrote back, and I was in a position to take his case. And so I looked at everything that he sent me, all of the pleadings, and I came to believe that Johnny was coerced into falsely confessing to a double murder that he did not commit. But the first step we needed to do was to get him out of prison. Mm. And he had an upcoming parole hearing, and I represented Johnny at that parole hearing. How, how long had you been in prison when the parole came up? Oh, um, well, for this particular hearing, I had been to prison, I think about, it was 28, 29 years when Steve first did it, because I think we had to come back a second time. Yeah, it was like 27 years. Yeah, And like we lost the first time and we won the second time. So Johnny came home after 29 years. 29 years, 11 months, and a few weeks. Almost 30. And, you know, unlike some people who come out of prison who are extremely damaged, I mean, Johnny suffered a lot of trauma. Uh, Johnny became an ambassador for wrongful convictions, mm -hmm. unlike anybody I had ever worked with. I mean, he became known all around the country, and indeed the world, his case became known because Johnny kept talking about it and advocating for reforms and change that so that others would not 
you know, befall the same fate. After Johnny got out, he became part of the Center on Wrongful Convictions. You spent 29 years in jail. You're proven innocent. What compensation do you receive for lost time? What does the state, what does the government do to make you whole? The first thing we had to do was get the right to DNA. DNA testing, how strange it is. It's, it's my case that gives everyone DNA, but it took 36 years for me to get DNA. So I want to let people understand that People versus Savory gives DNA to all those now today who are seeking DNA testing, but they wouldn't give it to me. They wouldn't. They said that even had he gotten positive no. results that, that proved that someone else committed the crime, there was still enough evidence in the record to convict him. And so they gave the right to DNA testing to everybody else in the state, but they denied it to Johnny because they basically said it wouldn't make a difference. And that's one of the worst decisions in the history of Illinois because they don't know what those results are going to show. Right. 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 Those results could easily have identified the person who murdered and raped Connie and killed James. We're talking about innocence. We're talking about going to jail for something you didn't do. Don't go away. This is a compelling conversation. That's the sound of the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program, saving you up to $500 on your energy bills with rebates and discounts on energy efficient products. So you can enjoy coming back to a home full of savings. Visit comed.com slash home savings. Wait, stop scrolling. I'm here to help. For what? ACA Health Insurance Marketplace Open Enrollment is here. You can find a health plan that works for you and your family or change your current plan. Through GetCoveredIllinois.gov, certified local navigators like myself can help you enroll and find out if you qualify for financial help. I really need to do that. That's why I'm here. Don't change that profile pic. You look great. Open enrollment ends January 15th. What's up, everybody? This is Curtis Blow inviting you to the Hip Hop Nutcracker, a holiday mashup for the whole family. December 12th through the 17th at the Cadillac Palace Theater. Tickets at BroadwayInChicago.com. This November, that spit-curled icon of joy, that champion of empowerment, sings a new tune live on stage for the first time. It's the world premiere of Boop the Musical. Get tickets at BroadwayInChicago.com. Did we find out who the murderer actually was? Not at this time, not that we know of, but what we do know is that um, when they did decide to do the DNA testing, how ironic, we went back to Peoria and we had a, a wonderful judge there who truly believed in justice and granted me the DNA testing on August 6, uh, 2013. So when we did do the testing, it came back, you know, excluding me from the crime itself and from anything in the home. They don't have one fingerprint, one blood sample, one hair sample, nothing. And then when they, we relied on the reports from the uh, previous uh, uh, time they did the investigation, both victims had hairs under their fingernails and where they fought with the attacker. However, 
when they did their first extension, they said it does not match JS, so it didn't match mine. So they really wasn't looking for anybody else at that time. So what we really understand now that, you know, and with the evidence we'll show today, is that everything they did was they fabricated and they lied about it in order to, to get the conviction, and they didn't care about me as a human being. They didn't, and this was what's called a heater case. This was a huge double murder of two teenagers in Peoria, and they were desperate to solve the case. And for some reason, they latched onto Johnny because he had been there the night before, and he became the prime suspect, and they coerced an a false confession from him. And years later, when we finally did the DNA testing, there were other male profiles in the DNA that was tested, not Johnny, but the profiles were not robust enough to get a match to who the true perpetrator was. And one more thing, the most um, probably probative piece of evidence that we could not test were hairs that were found in the hands of both victims that did not belong to the victims. When we got the right to DNA testing, we looked through all of the evidence and most of it was preserved, but in the bag that held the hairs, it was empty. It disappeared. Fast forward. Yes. You're released. Mm -hmm. Wrongful conviction uh, is helping you. Governor Quinn pardons you. Before he left office. Okay, now, you, so you've been pardoned by the governor. Yes. So you still need an innocence What's, what's the term I'm looking for? Certificate. The Certificate of Innocence. Right. Okay, so does the governor, as he pardons you, issues the Certificate yes. of Innocence, or is that another process? He, he can't, yes, it's, 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 uh, he's incumbent. He can, he can issue the certificate. Also, it's, uh, what's it based on House Bill 230, also the, the city where you came from, you can file. There's two entities uh, that you can use, the city where you came from or the governor's office. Now, can you sue the city? You can yes. sue the city, but you cannot sue the state. Yeah, so you How can sue work, the city. Steve? You can file a federal civil rights lawsuit. And you've again, done that. He has, he has a federal civil rights lawsuit. I didn't do it, but his other attorneys have so filed it. So what's that lawsuit say? You can file the city, but you cannot file the state. You can sue the city, but you cannot sue the state of Illinois. The judge initially dismissed my lawsuit, but the Seventh Circuit restated it. The first time it was three unanimously, three zero to reinstate it, and that he did show that it is a case of merit and he does have the right to sue. So they chose to appeal again, and this time it went before the unbank in the Seventh Circuit. Nine justices ruled in my favor that you then sent it back to the district court to be heard. That didn't satisfy them, so they took it, tried to take it to the United States Supreme Court, but the United Supreme Court refused to hear it. So now we are at probably the last stages of it. All depositions have been done in the case, and so we have a couple of dates coming up. When they asked me when my deposition, they said, well, how do you describe your damages? I describe my damages to them like this here. My loudest voices will come from the grave meaning my dad, my grandmother passed away while I was on trial, my dad when I was 26, both of my sisters have passed away, as well as you denying me the right to grow up and go to high school, 
with college, you took all of my teens, 20s, 30s, and half of the 40s. So you, there ain't no amount of money that can be compensated for that. I cannot get justice, because they say, well, you know, this is about justice. I said, nah, because see, justice is a preventive measure to keep injustice from taking place. Once you inflict wounds upon me or anyone else that has been through this here, there's no way you can heal the scars that you have placed in their life. And I wanted people to understand that. Justice to me is only holding them accountable for what they've done mm -hmm. to me. So should they go to prison? Of course. You so, think this is, is this a racial case, Steve? I do think it's a racial case. Based um, on racism? I do think that there was racism pervasive in the Peoria Police Department, and I do think African Americans in Peoria were very much like African Americans in Chicago. They were caught up in a lot of uh, cases and arrested disproportionately. Will, will new laws come out of this, perhaps? A new law has already come out of it. What, what, and what is that? So because of Johnny's false confession and because of countless other false confessions in Chicago and around the state, um, we have looked at the causes of false confessions. And one of the causes is when police officers lie to suspects about the evidence. They claim that they have evidence that they don't have, or they claim that the evidence they have is stronger than it actually is. And that causes suspects to become hopeless, break down, and confess. Police officers won't be able to do that anymore. The sad thing is that when we, cases like mine and those who are waiting in the balance, you come home, you don't have anything. And I think we still have like 12 other states don't have any compensation whatsoever. You just, you're free now, so go. So that should insult everyone in this nation that you, one, you did this to an innocent human being. Two, you, you're not even trying to apologize or rectify the situation that you put them in. Johnny, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your story. Yes. Um, your case is probably going to change the rules, the laws of what has happened. Steve, thank you for the wonderful work that you do. And I want to say shows like yours and what you do in the media, it would truly help tremendously if we had more of it. But it's going to take all of us. And it's no longer just a racial, just a societal problem. So we should handle it together as a one race operating the same way we do the war. When we go to war, everybody, we don't have no problem standing together. Well, let's do that in peace times, too. And uh, so these situations there wouldn't, wouldn't happen. I want to say one last thing. There was one blessing, one, that came out of this ordeal that Johnny's had to go through, and that is his beautiful baby daughter. Yes. She's not a baby anymore. She's seven years She's old. She's seven years old and, right. and, and smart uh, as can be. And whatever money that Johnny gets, and I hope he gets a lot, you know, it's all going to be for the benefit of her. Um, Johnny is an amazing father, and that's remarkable given that he spent 29 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for sharing your story. I'm Hermine Hartman with Indigo Studio, and thanks for listening and we got to bring light to these cases. This is a case of injustice and innocence.
not guilty.